0: Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 Podcast, your weekly exploration of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And hurriedly hurrying in from the next room, I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now... We hummed and hoard about whether or not we were going to do this one, didn't we? certainly did, yes. Because, you know, a character who have been killed off, pops up, comes back, blah, blah, blah. Because obviously we're not too far away from doing Just League of America issues 107 and 108. And this character features and we sort of thought, could we just, we can just sort of see that he's there. And I thought, you know what, we'll just (laughs) do issue 106 of Just League of America that was published on 3rd of April 1973. Yes, let's do it. But we're not going to do a full read of it, listeners. Because the reasons for doing this story are, f- are fairly clear. There's some important scenes in dialogue and it's just a bit of a gap filler almost. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, almost a continuity implant more than anything else. But anyway, yeah. Peter's going to tell you about the cover to issue 106. We have the DC logo top left, 20 cents top right. The world's greatest superheroes, Justice League of America, SHIELD, Comics Code approved. And down the left hand side, we have some of the roll call for this issue. It is Superman. Batman. Flash. Green Lantern. Elongated Man. Hawkman. Yes, Ralph Dibney's arrived. Fantastic. But the main image of the cover, we have the Red Tornado, but he's dead. Hmm. Yes, he died at the astonishing, exciting, emotional climax to the 1972 JLA crossover, which we covered during the summer, along with our guest cast of Thousands. Yes, but in this cover, that's not what the case is at all. He's standing in a spotlight and he's looking down at the assembled members of the Justice League and they appear to be dead. Mm. And Reddy is saying, The day I joined the JLA, I killed them all. Red Tornado's got a new voice, listeners. Hooray! <laughs> it's not as if someone insists that he had a new voice. <laughs> it's not as if someone like wakes up screaming in the middle of the night because he can't get Red Tornado's voice out of his head. Nothing wrong with his old voice. Yes, this issue is basically, in many ways, it's like the issue seventy-five of Justice League when Black Canary was adjusting to uh-huh. to life on Earth One. This is a bit of a status change for one hero and explains why he's ended up on Earth One, and it's essentially acts as a bit of a, a further epilogue to the Seven Soldiers epic from the summer. So we're not doing a yes. full read; we're going to read some of the pages and talk you through the rest of it. So, without any further ado, the first caption: The time today. Nice shot of an hourglass. The next caption: The place. A gigantic satellite whirling in stationary orbit 22,300 miles above the surface of the Earth. And it's the JLA satellite headquarters. The occasion, a hastily called emergency meeting of the Justice League of America. And we have a large panel. When we see Red Tornado, he looks slightly different than he did previously. Mm -hmm. Some tweaks to his costume, the looks of his face looks a little, a little more human, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And the assembled members of the League are all sat at the table. at them. you can see Black Canary, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, The Flash, Elongated Man, The Atom, Hawkman, Aquaman, Superman, and Batman. Earth hangs in the background. This is a very, very nice panel. The captioning continues. For those who came in late, seven of our stalwarts have just returned from the Florida Everglades following their offbeat battle with the pliable Putty Men. A battle turned in their favour by the last-minute appearance of the stormy Red Tornado, a hero they all thought dead. We'll fill in any details as we go along. Green Lantern's on his feet, gesturing at Red Tornado and saying, Let's keep this briefing short and sweet. Red Tornado, considering the circumstances, what do you have to say for yourself? Not much can I say, Green Lantern. There's not a great deal I know. Green Arrow gets to his feet as well. and He says, Come on, pal. We all watched you die. How did you pull your Lazarus biton? When did you grow a face? You jest, Green Arrow, but this is not a laughing matter. My memory circuits are unclear on the subject, mostly projection and conclusion. But I will enlighten you as best I can. A nice close-up of Reddy's face here. We see these more clearer defined human eyes, would you say, yes, going on. Yes. And there's a definite softening to his features compared to how he's appeared before. He narrates the next few panels. As you remember, I stole the nebula rod when you and the Justice Society combined forces against the hand that held the Earth, in the hope that my android body might survive the erupting interstellar energies where your human forms would not. Yes, and we get a nice little flashback to JLA-102, and we see the Red Tornado whirling through space, with the nebula rod, towards the... Oh, it's our old pal, the big <laughs> talon's green hand that was holding Earth 2 in, its, in its grip. A caption reads, Editor's note, or 102, and one of us must die, or indeed the previous episode of this podcast. Of course, but we all know that. Reddy's narration continues. The explosion occurred as expected, and you thought me destroyed. Obviously I was not. Yeah, and what we see, a sort of rocky area, and a little sort of pink explosion in the sky. And the silhouetted figure... Of Red Tornado falling from it. His narration continues. Instead, in a a one-in-a-billion chance, the eruption tore a hole in the dimensional fabric and hurled me from my earth into yours. Gosh. How long I lay as one dead, I do not know. But eventually my damaged body was discovered by a blind sculptor living alone deep in your rocky mountains. Yes, we see Reddy being cradled by a man wearing a green shirt, brown trousers, dark glasses, obviously indicating he's blind, kind of auburn hair, and a beard. Now, presumably, the implication is because he's blind, did he trip over Reddy? <sighs> Awkward. Reddy's narration continues at the top of page three. The old man took me into his home, tended me, and what prompted him to sculpt features upon my empty android face, I will never know. And what we see here is the, the man, it looks so like he's just manipulating plasticine or something. <laughs> yeah, putty. Yeah, that's that's over Red Tornado's sort of head. But we see also see to the side... His old face mask, if you like. So that's just sort of sitting there. Very interesting. His narration continues. Eventually, my internal repair mechanisms, return me to consciousness with a new voice. <laughs> yes. And also, it's, he basically looks like Professor Charles Xavier. Yes, he has a human yes. face. It's obviously this, this blind sculptor guy has made him a new head a new, or a new mask or whatever. Reddy sort of scratches his baldy dome saying, Where am I? What has happened to me? And the blind sculptor man puts a reassuring hand on his shoulder and says, Be calm, friend. Relax. You're in safe hands. Reddy's narration continues. Conversations with the old man during my recovery convinced me I was on the wrong earth. When I was well enough, I thanked my blind friend and set about to correct the situation. But that was easier planned than accomplished. To my surprise, I found I could not pierce the dimensional barrier. Yeah, a panel showing... The whirlwind effect of Reddy flying up into the sky and then rebounding as he's obviously tried to, to pierce the veil through to Earth too. You, you see him tumbling backwards and his narration continues. Some side effect of the nebuloid destruction prevented me from ever returning to my home world. Interesting. So we're back on the satellite now with Reddy explaining to the League and Reddy is saying... I came searching for you then, but knowing your low opinion of me, I helped your cause in secret, deciding that the sooner you defeated the Putty Men, the sooner you'd have time for me. To which the Flash says, Tornado, that's not fair, just because we failed to listen to you once. And an asterisk takes us a caption that reads, Editor's note, JLA 72, 13 days to doom. Yeah, they ignored them loads of times in that story. Anyway, we get a nice close-up shot of Black Canary, the final panel of page 3, and Reddy observes... Yes, and that failure caused the death of Black Canary's husband. But enough of such grim things. Suffice it that I destroyed the Putty Man producing Hive device, and you finally brought me here. Yes, in reference, obviously, to Canary looking a bit sad, there's another caption here that reminds us Putty Man producing Hive device supported menswear at King Tuts <laughs> in Glasgow in 1997. I don't think menswear ever played King Tuts. I could be wrong. <laughs> but no, we're reminded, obviously, of JLE 74 where Death Feels to Tread, that previous JLE JSA crossover that brought. Black Canary over to Earth 1. We arrive at the top of page 4. Superman's turn to speak now as he says You're right, Tornado. We treated you unjustly. It's time we made up for it. Since you're trapped in our world and in recognition of your Cracking the Putty Men case, I nominate you for membership in the Justice League. Green Arrow does not look happy at this at all. He cries Wait a minute! What's this group becoming? A refugee camp for Earth 2 outcasts? To which Hawkman says, I don't remember you complaining so loudly when Black Canary was proposed for membership Green Arrow. Red Tornado has earned his nomination. The question is, will he accept it? A nice full-length shot already as he says, Yes, Hawkman, I will accept. I have nowhere else to go. Captioning for the next panel Weeds. The voting is fast and furious, and when it is done... Yep, the assembled League all look fairly happy, to be honest. Batman's saying, Passed unanimously. Congratulations, Red Tornado. You have just become a member of the Justice League of America. And in extreme close up, we see Red Tornado with his eyes wide, very human looking eyes wide, as he thinks, Excellent. Now I can destroy them all. Thus, a new figure joins the famous ranks. But have the world's greatest heroes made a fatal error? Have they allowed a wolf, wolf in the, the fold? fold? And we're told by another caption that this story was brought to us by... Len writer; Dick Dillon and Dick Giordano Artists. From there, we slowly dissolve to a hidden laboratory deep in the Rocky Mountains and we find out that the person responsible for Red Tornado's murderous thoughts is none other than his creator, T.O. Morrill. Dun-dun-dun! Seems that not only do you have temporary control over Reddy, but also that his computer has made an interesting prediction. A screen reads, In precisely 28 days, the cosmic balance will shift and either... T.O. Morrow, or the Justice League of America, will cease to exist. Now, obviously, T.O. doesn't want to be destroyed or cease to exist. So he asks his computer how to get rid of the League before the 28-day deadline is up. And the machine responds, For the Justice League to be destroyed, a new member must be added to its ranks. See where this is going, listeners. And Morrow is delighted the Red Tornado has suddenly reappeared because he could be that new member. It turns out that it was actually Morrow who repaired and reconfigured Red Tornado and it also transpires that Morrow is responsible for everything that happened in Justice League 105 involving a hidden hive belonging to the Queen Bee all that stuff about putty men. Morrow also has a group of purple-clad men soldiers if you like it's commander all set to make use of some weapons from the future but where Red Tornado will see them. Morrow's plan is to make Red Tornado use his new Justice League of America signal device The fiend has planted a mechanism inside Tornado's body that alters the frequency of the signaler. It seems that the first time Reddy uses his signal device, the Justice League of America will die. Gosh. I know. We arrive then at the top of page 7. Turn time ahead, 24 hours, to the busy streets of New York City, as the Red Tornado attempts to establish a new life. A... Human life. We see basically Red Tornado in human disguise, wearing the human face that we saw earlier on. He's also dressed in an orange overcoat with a, a hat. And we see him in a number of situations. He's obviously trying to find himself somewhere to live. A little man in a black suit behind the desk says, No luggage? I'm sorry, sir. And then another chap with thin hair and a bow tie and glasses can be heard saying, No identification, eh? Well, we're all filled up. And a blonde girl behind the desk, very dismissively, saying to him, no driver's license? No credit cards? I'm afraid he'll have to try someplace else. And he's obviously trying to get us some accommodation because we see him leaving a hotel and he's thinking to himself, How ironic. For all of my existence, I have wanted to be human. And now that the opportunity presents itself, no one will give me the chance. Oh, poor Reddy. As he leaves the hotel, Reddy fails to notice a toy-sized tank that scoots past him on the pavement. The tank grows to enormous size and fires on a nearby bank. Reddy snaps out of his introspective fog when he notices this finally, and spins out of his human disguise and confronts the occupants of the tank, some of whom have their strength boosted by little white exoskeletons. Quite dinky. As he takes the men down, another purple-clad body emerges from inside the tank, driving another tank-like vehicle with a huge funnel on its front. The man identifies it as an energy transverter, a device that turns red tornado's powers against him. Caught in a vortex... Reddy is about to activate his JLA signal device and delighted Teo watches this on his screen. However, just in the nick of time, Green Lantern arrives on the scene. Reddy thinks Hal is checking up on him, but GL assures him that he's there to help. He demonstrates this by using his power ring on the energy transverter, which gives Hal a bit of pause before it ultimately explodes. Batman and the Flash arrive and take out the rest of the purple lads. A Green Lantern and Red Tornado shrink the tank back down to toy size by bombarding it with conflicting vibrations and reversing its expansion process. Amazing. T. Moro is angry, but still has some other plan. And This takes us to page 13, where we're going to start reading again. Soon after, in JLA Headquarters... yeah, Red Tornado's standing. Flash, Green Lantern are seated. Batman is there too. Red Tornado is saying... Green Lantern, I resent your intrusion in my battle. I demand to be treated as an equal member of the Justice League, or... But he's interrupted by GL who says... Oh come on Tornado, you were just about to call us when we showed. That is a mistake I will not make again. Batman leans forward angrily and says, Enough bickering. We have a problem before us that needs a solution. The Flash looks very thoughtful and says, The uniforms they wore were familiar. If only... Got it! T.O. Morrow, his faceless minions, wore that outfit the first time we met. The Red Tornado, interrupts Green Lantern, saying, Interesting that both here and Morrow should reappear at the same time. Sort of makes one wonder. "'What?' says Red Tornado, and he walks off in the next panel, saying, "'Enough. I have better things to do than stand here and tolerate your veiled accusations.' Flash calls after him. "'Tornado, wait! We didn't mean—' But Batman stops the Flash, saying, "'No, Flash. Let him go. It's simpler this way. I have matters to discuss that are not for the Red Tornado's ears.' Interesting. "'By morning, the awesome android's anger has faded to be replaced by loneliness and self-doubt.' We see Reddy. In his human guise, purple trousers, a purple scarf, the the orange overcoat, his hat on his lap, he sat on a big long blue couch underneath a sign that reads New York Job Opportunities Incorporated and as a blonde secretary type at desk to our right. As he sat on the couch, Reddy is thinking, I dislike doing this, but since I can't find accommodations without first finding employment, the girl behind the desk cries, Next please. Silently, the red tornado takes his seats. The inevitable forms are produced, and... Name? Uh, Smith. John Smith. See the girl writing this stuff down. She says... Address? General delivery. Uh Uh-huh. Age? At the moment, I feel like the oldest man alive. Please, just answer the questions. Previous employment? Freelance law, officer. Freelance? Uh, reason for application? Survival. Hey... Are you putting me on, Mr. Smith? And at this point we see that Retonado seems to have been struck by the girl. He's given her a very old look. She continues in the next panel. No, you're not, are you? I can see it in your eyes. Tell me, sir, when was the last time you had a decent meal? Why, I Never mind. I can imagine, she says. She stands up, grabs her handbag, continues. Come on, I'll treat you to lunch. But? No buts. The name's Kathy Sutton, Girl Samaritan, and I haven't lost a client yet. "'Shortly?' "'Yeah, they're in some nice restaurant. "'We can see some interesting buildings through the window outside,' Kathy is saying. "'For a guy who hasn't eaten lately, you sure don't seem hungry. Is something wrong?' "'No, I was merely wondering why you're so generous to a stranger.' "'You're no stranger, Smith. "'I see your type every day. "'New to the big city. "'Full of dreams, ideals, but with no money. "'No place to stay. "'Heck, I was like that myself once.' "'You're quite a woman, Kathy Sutton.' "'Sure, the last of the soft touches. "'That's me.' Standing up at this point, Cathy must be about to pay, she's saying, Still, if you need a place to stay, I think I can find you one. That would be appreciated. And the next panel shows John Smith standing in a very well-appointed little apartment room, the looks of it. It's an older, thicker-set, grey-haired lady, brush in her left hand. She's obviously landlady, and she's saying, It's a nice room, Mr Smith. You'll like it. Never would have rented it to a stranger if Miss Sutton hadn't put in a good word for you. And advanced me the first week's rent. She's a darling girl, Kathy is. We see John Smith, a.k.a. Red Tornado, looking into... Is it the window or is it the mirror? He's, anyway, he doesn't see his own reflection. He sees an image of Kathy and he says out loud... Yes, she's a darling girl indeed. Right at the top of page 16. In the days that follow, the bond of friendship grows stronger between the vibrant Kathy Sutton and the sombre-faced android who calls himself John Smith. It's a nice little montage showing them just kicking about, feeding some pigeons, enjoying some views, looking at bridge. Getting closer, for it is a bond forged of mutual enjoyment, and perhaps the first sad stinging flames of love. But miles away, a sinister, white-garbed figure considers that bond the weakest link in a far more dangerous chain. Yes, we see Teo Morrow, immaculately rendered here, it must be said, watching on a screen as John and Cathy take a sort of horse-drawn carriage ride, and Morrow observes. So, the red tornado has found himself a girlfriend. Didn't think he had it in him. No matter, though. Oh, he's provided me with numerous new possibilities, and time is running out for me. Slow dissolve. And the following morning... John's on the pavement. Cathy's calling on him. She's saying, John! John, I've got something for you. I've found you a job. That's splendid, Cathy. Well, it's not much of a job, really. Just a lab assistant to a Dr. Gordon, but... Cathy... Do you hear an odd sound? And as we arrive at the top of page 17, the captioning reads, And it is quite an odd sound, like the furious buzzing of a billion angry bees mingled with the plaintive howl of a thousand wolves. A sound that pulls John Red Tornado Smith's eye skyward to see." Yes, it's a little fleet of three sort of flying submarines almost. They kind mm. of look like land speeders from the first Star Wars film, but with a sort right. of canopy and you know a longer tail. And all these flying vehicles are firing a burst of golden energy, rays of golden energy, down into the streets below them. John reacts, saying, Morrows men with new futuristic weapons. Cathy, you must get away from here before. And he looks around and he's shocked to see, Those rays, they've turned Cathy and everyone else on the street into stone. Yeah, everyone looks like they're now a stone statue. Reddy surmises that the rays only affect human tissue, as there was no effect on him. He shrugs off his human form again and flies up to confront the flying vehicles. At first he's distracted by projected false images of the ships, but one of them fires on Reddy with a blast of energy that disrupts his circuits, while the others zap, dig up and fly off with an entire bank building. Gosh. Superman arrives on the scene, thankfully. Manages to rescue the bank, as Reddy's immobile on the ground. In retaliation against Supes, the pilot of one of the flying ships fires a beam at the petrified stone Cathy, lifting her into the air, intending to smash her into the ground. A distraught, Tornado is relieved when the elongated man arrives just in time to stretch out and catch Cathy. Hawkman also arrives and calls up hundreds of birds to fill the sky around them in order to reveal the real position of the hidden flying ships. This allows Hawkman and Superman to put them out of action. And so we resume at page 20. A bit of gentle carnage later... A bit of gentle carnage supported menswear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a great panel because we can see that Ray Tornado is standing with the, the statuified version of Cathy, if that's not a word it is now, but Superman, Elongated Man and Hawkman are standing with the purple-clad soldiers of Teal Morrow. It looks though like Ralph's tickling one of them as he says, Okay, chum, you guys are going to tell us how to turn these people back to normal. Or we're going to turn you into abstract art. Okay, Stretch Socks, take it slow. We'll tell everything. And one of the other ones says, All you gotta do to revive them folks is this. And he raises a hand and snaps what presumably is a little capsule releasing clouds of green vapour. Elongated Man cries, Gas! Their uniforms are filled with it! Superman puts a hand to his head and says, Great Scott, it's stronger than any I've ever known before. Affecting me as well. Red Tornado whirls around and says, What? Must stop those fumes. And the caption for the next panel reads: But before the Scarlet Swirler can even move, the noxious vapors have done their work, and Reddy's down on the ground. As is soup so looks unconscious, and Hawkman, but elongated man, is still twitching. And Ralph thinks, "We're beaten, unless I can summon help." But those thugs have taken our signal devices. And then he thinks, "Got to reach the tornado, press his signal device while there's still time." And we see the in inset panel: Ralph's finger extending and pressing a button on Red Tornado's belt. Uh-oh, captioning for the next panel. Anxious eyes watch as a black-gloved hand presses a silver belt piece and... Yes, Moro looks on as Superman, elongating man and Red Tornado all react on the floor screaming. <coughs> yeah! In agony, Moro cheers and says... I've done it! Done it! The Justice League of America is dead by its own hand! First panel, of page twenty-one. He looks at the clock on his wall, which no digital clock. He looks things. It still reads ten a.m. Morrow says, "I didn't imagine my gas would affect the Red Tornado. I wanted him <laughs> conscious to press the signal, but that doesn't matter now. Exactly two hours before the deadline time, in the JLA has ceased to exist. I'm safe." In panel two, he crosses to the wall and presses a button which causes a sliding door to open, showing a very nice mountainous view behind him. As he does this, he says, I've been cooped up in this lab for almost a month. Time I went to get some fresh air and celebrate. And as the door opens, we see revealed, uh oh, it's only the Justice League of America. We see Superman, Green Lantern, Elongated Man, Retornado, Flash Hawkman and Batman. Superman leans against the wall with his arms forward, looking very relaxed as he says, Going somewhere, T.O. No. It can't be! You're dead! You're all dead! The heroes move into the building and X-Panel as Batman says, A gross exaggeration, Morrow. None of us is dead. We just wanted to make you think so. And an elongated man says, Right! Superman discovered that extra circuit inside our days ago and burned it out with a supervision. But what I saw on my screen... Touch Green Lantern replies, Just a little show put on for your benefit, with the help of my power ring. The Flash says, We wanted to make sure you had no other hold in the Tornado that we didn't know about. Morrow's back towards one of his workstations. We can see some fancy guns on it. In the first panel of page 22, he grabs one, whirls around, points at the heroes, saying, You don't understand! You've got to die before the deadline! I have a weapon, the fool! Will- Correction, says Elongated Man. You had a weapon! And he reaches out, grabs the gun from Morrow's hand, as Tornado uses his left arm to generate a little whirlwind, which sends Morrow flying. Tornado says... Now you have a date with the authorities. And a slow dissolve. Later, at the nearest police station... I like the silhouetted heroes in the background. We see Batman and Hawkman holding Morrow, keeping in possession as a desk sergeant looks on. Batman says... I don't believe it. You tried to kill us because of a computer prediction. That's pretty far-fetched. Morrow replies... You don't know my computer! It's never wrong! And some bongs start because obviously the clock is striking the hour. Morrow looks up at the clock on the wall of the police station, which is approaching 12 noon by the looks of things. The bongs continue. Let's have some more bongs. (laughs) And Morrow looks at the clock, appalled, and says... Oh, no! It's too late! My 28 days are up! He stands between Batman and Hawkman, a and look at him in surprise as he yells, It's over! I've lost everything! bongs continue throughout this, listeners. (laughs) BONG! He says, Lost everything! Batman and Hawkman's eyes widen even further. Lost! Lost! And he fades out into nothingness. Hawkman says, He's vanished! It's a trick! To which Batman says, No, Hawkman. Somehow, I don't think so. Gosh! Caption, the first panel, page 23. In JLA headquarters, after Morrow's underlings have been jailed and their victims revived. Heroes all standing assembled, another Dutch tilt shot, showing outer out of space, outside a satellite, very effective. Batman is saying, Sorry if we seem to use you, Tornado, but we had no idea how much control Morrow had over you. To which Tornado says, An understandable reaction, Batman, when the person you are dealing with is a machine. Green Lantern reaches forward, puts a hand on Reddy's shoulder, saying, but you're not a machine, Tornado. Just a bit more vulnerable to certain things than most people are. My own thoughts exactly, Green Lantern. Now, if you fellows will excuse me. And he moves off in the final panel, elongating elongated man calling after him. Red Tornado, where are you going? Is it something we said? In a way, Ralph Dibney, in a way. I'm going to discover if an android is vulnerable to love. And the caption reads, The End. Mm. Next issue, the Justice League of America, the Justice Society of America, and a smashing return of some of the Golden Age's finest, Black Condor, Dollman, the Human Bomb, Phantom Lady, The Ray, Uncle Sam, together for the first time ever to combat the… Crisis, Crisis on, on Earth-X! Earth X. Yes, the hype for the next JLA-JSA crossover begins here. Stay tuned. Mm -hmm. So, Red Tornado has arrived and ensconced on Earth 1 as a member of the Justice League. With a new voice, so David doesn't get really annoyed. No, Not annoyed, (laughs) just (laughs) my feelings will stop vibrating. (laughs) Yes, we had to do that really, didn't we? Yeah. We had to mention it and touch on it, and Mm -hmm. I think doing the ready character-related scenes is probably the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, considering it was a massive thing his sacrifice at the end of that epic that brought back the Laws Legionnaires, Mm -hmm. then... It's really weird if suddenly we start doing the next JLA-JSA crossover and he's there. Yes, with it's no like, explanation. Eh, yeah. So forgive us, listeners, for not reading the full story, but we didn't. Feel, <laughs> we didn't really feel it was necessary. To be honest, it's so easy to just summarise yeah. the fights and stuff when yes. they're happening. Interesting that the new dynamic is that Red Tornado can't go between the universities, because mm. that was something that he could do previously. Yeah. That's a very welcome dilution of his powers, I think, yeah. Uh-huh. It did seem to be far too easy for people to be able to do that. Yeah it's like you could just catch a bus to Earth 2 you know the way Mm -hmm. it was sort of getting never mind the interesting ideas like Jimmy Olsen finding that big honeycomb in the middle of nowhere or yes or the Fiddler's portable vibrator exactly and all that sort of stuff as Pete says there it's it's kind of essential that it it adds another further epilogue to the Jle 102 I wonder how I would have felt at the time sort of reading this yeah because it's it's given such an emphasis, you know, there's that mm-hmm. little scene between the Crimson Avenger and Our Man at the end where they lament him and mm-hmm. they feel bad for just calling him a machine and all this sort of stuff and mm-hmm. he's made the ultimate sacrifice, but then oh no, he was yeah. blown through a dimensional window. Yeah, but oh, well. the thing is, it was one oh two when that happened, one oh three and one hundred four and he comes up in one oh five at the end of it and he gets explained in one oh six. It's yeah. literally two issues he was dead for. That's that's what? Yeah, is that the fastest ever epic Death stroke return thing ever. I mean, compare it to what, say, like Jean Grey or well, or Bucky. <laughs> I would say, in general, apart from currently, uh, Ms. Marvel was killed and was brought back within the same month as, yeah. a, as a mutant. Oh, she was a mutant all along. Really? Was yes. she? Yes. She? Okay. Do you remember when they decided that Submariner was a mutant and yeah. the cloak and dagger were mutants? And yeah. It's like, well, probably you get to be a mutant and you get to be a mutant and you Snore. get to be a Snore. Anyway, yeah. that's another podcast entirely. <laughs> It's one of these things, I think, the, the mention of not being able to get back to Earth 2 at the start, probably justify... We, we yeah. sound like we trying to justify why we're doing this, don't we? Yeah. We kind of are. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it's a necessary one. Yeah, and um, it's essential. And, and it's, yeah. a, it's both a coda to the Seven Soldiers story and a prelude to the Freedom Fighters story which is coming up. Yeah, so it establishes yeah, Red it Tornado's new status quo and all that sort yeah. of thing. No. So, you know, forgive us listeners if we didn't give it the full treatment and maybe gives Peter a little bit less editing to do this week. But Anything else I want to say about the story? I quite like the scenes of him getting to know Kath. Yeah, and Kathy is a recurring character. Of She's course. She's there all the way through with yeah. uh, in a relationship with him, which mm-hmm. is uh, fascinating, really. You know, just this nice person who kind of falls for this sad sack, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest, yeah. It was nice that Teal Morrow just happened to be there to, to find him in the rocks. Yeah. Or, as far as Reddy's convinced, Reddy thinks he just found him on the rocks. Morrow's was probably yeah. alerted to him or aware of him, given you know. Morrow's probably got a tracker in him. Yeah. Yeah, he would have some sort of sensor that he'd be able to, you know, pick up and think, oh, right, he's in the vicinity, right, okay, this could be yeah, useful. Very much so. I it's... do love Teal Morrow. He was one of my favourite characters yes. in 52, the weekly series. He was fantastic in that. In the Evil Scientist Island, he was pretty much the. The head of the Mad scientists. Yeah, that's right. I, mean, I remember him getting a few cover features during 52. And he always wore a jazzy Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> and listeners, for the benefit of YouTube viewers, I'm wearing a jazzy Hawaiian shirt today. Kind of is, listeners. I'm just wearing yeah. my usual man killed army <laughs> shirt. That's because you were trying to get into Sergeant rock character earlier on for our previous I recording. I liked the uh, Elongating Man is now a member of the Justice League. Yay! Love Ralph. Ralph's fan. fantastic. Yes. And obviously he's involved in the next two JLA-JSA crossovers, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's nice to see him popping up because it's, you know, with Ready arriving as well, it's going to mix the team up a little bit, a bit of variety. Yes. Not really much use for Aquaman or Black Canary's powers in that story, or indeed the Atom. No yeah. one had to. Sh- maybe yeah. the Atom should have fought the tank and made the tank shrink down, or <laughs> maybe Aquaman could have thrown it into the ocean. I don't know. Maybe Canary could have blasted it apart with a Sonic Cry. Who can say? Who can say? I like the little bit with the little. Conflict when Green Arrow mentions, you know, is this a refugee camp for off two guys? And yeah, because that's a total dick move. Let's be honest. Given that he's going out with Black Canary, and Hawkman slams him down yeah. straight away. And it's, it's like, it's come great. on, Ollie, you're not doing yourself any favors there at all. Yeah, it's interesting that the league are finally in the stage where they've really all got personalities now, because it mm-hmm. took a very long time to get here. Because yeah. it was historically solve the problem that mm. was the whole point of the, the stories and they would all just team up and they were their powers but now they yeah. have definite characters and definite yeah. personality traits i think that's been building up for a while yeah obviously with what the stuff Is mike, mike frederick yeah we're huh? doing you know making it a bit more interesting so it's we're definitely in at the bronze age now aren't we as yep. far as all that when the, oh, yes. the, the characters almost have to be a little bit more than a blank slate because it's expected mm-hmm. that they're going to be you know a bit more interesting Shall we hop to the letters, then? Let's do so. Let's go to issue 109 and the GLA mailroom. Yep, the first one goes like this. Dear Editor, Len Wien is doing great things with the Just League of America, but I cannot pinpoint exactly what that is. His stories are evenly balanced, and all the other elements of a fine story are present. Stories flow from issue to issue, rather than from scene to scene, which they do anyhow. It all adds up to Len's greatness as a writer-scripter. Well, that wasn't just Len. That was going on before he got there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Now we have JLA 106 with Wolf in the Fold, featuring the return of the Red Tornado. I especially liked the resentment Red had for the JLA members because of past occurrences, which Len handled superbly. This was compounded by the interference of the Justice League. This issue ended with the subplot of Tornado's love for Kathy Sutton, leading to next year's annual team-up of the Justice League and Justice Society of Earth 2. My, has it been a year already? It just seems like two issues ago. More proof of Len's tremendous talents. It just seems like a couple of weeks, to be honest, doesn't it? A couple of months. (laughs) There's not a lot of Earth 2 action between the end of 72 and middle of 73, it must be said. Anyway, speaking of talent, Dick Dillon and Dick Giordano portray the JLA very well. Again, I especially like Mr. D's and Mr. G's Batman and Green Lantern. And that's from Paul Edwards, North Belmore, New York. And the editorial response says, One more proof of Len Wein's tremendous talents. He's just won the Shazam Award as Best Writer in the Dramatic Category. Fantastic. Well done, Len. Morrissey forbids us from revealing who was the Shazam winner for superior achievement by an individual. Well, maybe we'll just give you his initials. JS. Well done, Jules. Yes. Awesome. The second letter says, Dear Editor, well done, gentlemen. Well done. GLA 106 was a fine effort. Len Wein has proven himself a master at handling a large group of people slash characters, and still making each one an individual. Literally what we were just saying. Yeah. There were really some fine points to Wolf in the Fold, Arrow's brief but well-played appearance, including his running feud with Hawkman, Retorado's personal side brought out for the first time, and of course, T.O. Morrow. Lest I forget, the artist reached a new high point. The beauty and grace that Dick Giordano's inks add to Dick Dillon's pencils, it's just beyond words. And that's from Peter J Mellon from Milan, Ohio. No editorial response, so the next letter reads, Dear Editor, It's rather strange when you consider that despite the multitude of superheroes who have appeared in the Justice League magazine, only one was actually introduced in it, the new Red Tornado. It is only fitting, therefore, that he finally be admitted to the GLA, as took place in issue 106. I always felt that such an interesting character deserved more than getting lost in a crowd of heroes twice a year. That's fair. As a story, however, Wolf in the Fold is a disappointment in some ways. There was no enlightenment as to the origin or motives of the putty men in the last issue, nor as to how the elongated man managed to disguise himself as one of them while underwater. That obviously is something from 105, nothing yeah. to do with what we've just read. Mm-hmm. Nor was there any explanation of the shift in cosmic balance that destroyed T.O. Morrow. Why him of all people? Uh, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the story was overall a good one. Characterization and superpowered action, both mainstays of the JLA, were in strong evidence here. I was particularly impressed by Hawkman's stratagem to find the true location of the camouflaged ships. Also appreciated was Len Wein's retread job in the tornado. Establishing a new face, secret identity, job and romantic interest in three pages isn't easy. But Len managed it without it seeming forced at all. With one exception, John Smith. Really, Len, I always credited you with more imagination than that. And that's from our old pal Richard Morrissey from Massachusetts. And the editorial response is, we yield to Len's plea for personally responding. Yes, I have more imagination than that. But the red tornado doesn't. He's an Android friend whose responses are all the result of computer-like extrapolations and conclusions. John and Smith just happen to be two of the most common names around. It was a natural conclusion for RT's computerish mind to choose those two names when confronted by the, for him, unusual question, name, says Julie Schwartz. Excellent. Next letter reads, Dear Editor, one thing for sure, Len Wein does not produce dull scripts. He may on occasion present the readers with a slightly camp or turgid plot, but the result is never language. Oh, he does have a problem with making the words spoken by the characters. Open bracket. It should be noted that when he has this problem, the characters are most always superheroes. Close bracket. Seem as though they would be said by normal people. Despite their powers, the GLA members, except for Red Tornado, are normal people. Len may have his faults, but his stories are not boring. Wolf in the Fold was a superb finish to last issue's dismal beginning chapter. The dialogue this time around was much more realistic. The Red tornado's transformation was handled well, but I wish he hadn't been given membership in the GLA. And if you're not careful, you'll have the same problem you had with the Justice Society. Too many heroes! With the ultimate solution being limiting the story to seven heroes. I would hate for your writers being locked in in such a fashion. And that's from, oh, it's from James T. McCoy Jr. from Valley Station, Kentucky. Yep, heard from him before, obviously. To be fair, it makes an interesting point there because the last time we saw the Justice Society, there was, as we said, there was a few people missing. They had to mm-hmm. limit the presence because there was just so, potential, so many potential members. It'll be interesting yes. to see what happens. As you say, Hawkman does leave soon. Mm-hmm. We'll see who remains active and who's around in any subsequent stories that we do. Mm-hmm. Editorial response to that letter then reads, Fear not, Jimmy. If our fearless writers should find themselves locked in, they'll use a key to get out of it which is stretching quite a bit to advise you that the key makes his long-awaited villainous return and next issue is The Man Who Murdered Santa Claus. Gasp! And that's always a little throw forward to issue 110, which uh, is not one that we're going to be doing just yet. No, but stay tuned. Who can say? So, listeners, Ray Tornado has joined the Justice League and we're given our first indication of what the next age jsa crossover is going to be. How exciting! Yes, what are your thoughts on it? Please let us know. You can email us at theftwpodcast at gmail.com or you can even leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com forward slash the Earth 2 podcast Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up some lovely bonus material for this and indeed every episode. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at theearth2podcast and on Twitter, at podcast underscore earth2. And it's the number two for all our social media. As I will say at this point, if you're feeling generous, you could perhaps go to wherever it is you receive your podcasts and give us a positive review. That would be lovely. You could also go to our coffee page and buy at the price of a beverage. That would be nice. That would do. So, what we do next week, I can't remember. Only one way to find out. And that's to tune in. Until then, I've been Peter. I've been David. Take care, folks. We'll see you soon on the Earth, Earth 2, Two Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. I'm Peter Watson. And I don't have my microphone. to turn. Ralph was saying to one of the purple guys, OK, chum. You guys are going to tell us how to turn these people back to normal. Or we're going to turn you into abs- Sorry. <clears throat> What's that elongated man? <clears throat> to speak up. I can't hear you. <clears throat> Sorry.